right, let's open our Bibles first. Whoa, that's, that's hot. First Thessalonians chapter <clears throat> 5. We looked last time at a, a joyful, prayerful, and thankful. And uh, <clears throat> this idea that, you know, God is, this is what God's will is for us, to be joyful, to be prayerful, and to be thankful. And uh, always, he says, and, and continually, in, in all circumstances. And uh, someone told me today, uh, you know, they, they were just going home and they were thinking about that, and I'd said something about <clears throat> be joyful if your car breaks down. <clears throat> I shouldn't have said that. Their car broke down on the way home from church. And he was remembering, he said to be joyful. <laughs> and that's a challenge, though, isn't it? That's the, that's the thing of it, to be joyful, even when things are going wrong, to find joy. Because our joy is not in the stuff. It's not in the car. It's not in the things. It's in the Lord. Find our joy in the Lord based on his love and our love for him, our trust in him. This idea of, of praying, being prayerful, that it's a, a long, ongoing conversation that takes place. You know, from, from the moment we wake up to the time we go to sleep, there's this conversation that's happening with us and the Lord. And again, as we are reminded about conversations, there are two-way. You know, it's not just me talking all the time. That's not, praying always doesn't mean just me rattling off stuff all the time, all day long. Part of prayer is listening. And to be thankful, people, for, for who God is, that He is good, that He has done so much for us, and that His love endures forever. Through these things, what a witness to the world around us that, that we're joyful people, that we're prayerful people, that we're thankful people. Today, I want to ask uh, <clears throat> the question, have, have you ever heard the phrase that so-and-so is, is uh, just so on fire for God? Did you ever hear that? So-and-so is so on fire for God. You know, what does that mean? What does that mean? Does that mean that they're just excited? It means they're just like, wah! What, what does that mean? And, and is it the same for every person that you meet, that, you know, that is going to be the characteristics of someone on fire for God? That's, that's the way they're all going to look. They're going to look just like that. They're going to talk just like that, act just like that. Sometimes, you know, let's be honest now. Sometimes that you and I think when, when we feel that way about somebody, that, oh, that's so-and-so on fire. What I want to do, and perhaps you, I think if we're honest, I'm going to go put that person out. <laughs> I want to put that person out. Why? Because there's something there. And maybe we don't have it. Maybe we're just kind of simmering. You know, we just got that slow simmer going there. We just got gas stove. You know, you can really adjust that thing, you know, just to kind of turn it way down low. Or you can crank that thing up and, like, the, you know, all the fire detectors are going off and everything is just, whoa. Or maybe, maybe we're just cold. The fire is, like, out. The house is cold. You know, when we have a problem with the heating system, what do you do? You call for help, Right? Jay, you call Jay. 
But I have to tell you, it's Jay's truck that broke down. <laughs> so you can still call him, but he's going to be there in a rented truck instead of his truck because it's got to go get fixed. And, and you, know, you know the words to get the attention of those people? What are the two words? Not help me. That's, yeah, that's, that's it too. But Jay, what are the two words? No. <laughs> when they say no heat. No heat. And, you know, well, they, then if they say that to you as a guy, they expect you to, like, just stop whatever you're doing and show up, right, and fix it now. No heat. We call for help. We need the fire back on. That's what I want to talk a little bit about today. Let's read verses 19 through 21. <clears throat> he says, Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything and hold on to the good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and we pray, Lord, uh, for each one of us that we would hear what you would say to us by your spirit, and we would be open and willing to, to listen. Father, you know each one of us. You know who we are. You know where we are. And I pray that you would uh, truly uh, do something within us, light a fire within us, Lord, fire of your spirit. In Jesus' name. You know, in the scriptures, if you think about it, and, I, and this, this always gets me um, just about how God's word all ties together. And, and when I think about the, you know, the imagery of, of the scripture and some of the images that we find, and, and you find them, and, and, and they go all through the Bible. Here he talks about don't quench the spirit or don't put out the spirit's fire. Well, there's this picture that I that I think of this imagery of fire, that it, it kind of goes like through the whole Bible, really. And, and really, it, it applies to a lot of different things, though. It's not just what we see here in this verse, verse but it, it applies to heat, of course, the, you know, the standard understanding of, of fire. But it's so much more than that in the Bible. It talks about purification, this purification. It talks about the holiness of God that, that, that comes down with fire. It talks about judgment, too. It talks about even our words lighting fires, and not in a good way. Set on fire of hell, that our tongues are set on fire of hell. I want to turn back uh, to, to get a little bit of background, really just kind of where I'm heading with this today, because we could go a lot of different directions, but Exodus chapter 3, <clears throat> a, a section that you, I'm sure, are all familiar with, but Exodus chapter 3, <clears throat> I'm going to look at a few different passages in Exodus, this idea about the Spirit's fire, about the fire of God. He says there in chapter 3, verse 1, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the, to the far side of the desert. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. 
Man, the whole message really that, that I see in, this, in this, these four verses, kind of what I'm thinking about this idea that don't, putting out the, don't put out the Spirit's fire is that God wants to do something and, and, he, and He's doing it from within. There's these flames of fire. It's not all burning up, though. There's some kind of fire that's happening. And Moses sees it and, and he says, you know, it is a little bit strange, right? It's like if you have a fire in the fireplace and the wood's in there, it's real wood, not those fake logs. And it's burning, but the, you, you never have to put more logs in. Like, well, that would be kind of cool. That's the gas fire. You just turn on the gas and those fake logs. But, but, but he says it's kind of strange. And, and you know, when, when the fire of God is burning, you know, it may seem a little bit strange. It may seem out of the ordinary. And maybe even people looking at you or people looking at me, and they say, well, there's something, there's something burning in that guy, and, and you know what, it's, it's kind of strange. And they might even call you names. Say, well, you're like one of those Jesus freak people, right? Is that okay? Does that bother you? I think it's a badge of honor if somebody would actually call you that without you telling them to call you that. And they would already know that you are Jesus freak. There's some kind of fire burning in you, and it's got something to do with Jesus. But he sees that, and he goes over to it, and, and it says God speaks to him. God calls him from within the bush, and he, and he says, Moses, Moses. He calls him by name. There's this, there's this radical connection between him and God. That's where the fire comes from, I'm telling you. This radical connection, he says, Moses, Moses. And what's Moses' response? This is weird. I don't want to listen. I, I'm, I'm out of here. Does he say that? No, he says, here I am, or here am I, depending on the translation you have. It's a radical connection between him and the Lord. And that's where I believe, that's where the fire happens. The fire of God's spirit is this connection, this, this connection between me and God Almighty. It's not my fire, though, is it? It's not your fire. It's not Moses' fire. It's the fire of God. It's God is doing this incredible thing. How about Exodus, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter uh, 13? Go ahead a few chapters there. Exodus 13. I really like this. I, I, think, it's, I think it's cool. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 21. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. There's this fire that's there, and it's helping them to find the way. It's helping them to see the way ahead. It's helping them to, to know what to do next. Something about the fire of God in a person's life that, that helps us to know the way. I believe that. We don't, we don't see, like they actually saw literal fire, a pillar of fire up in the sky. They, they actually saw the pillar of cloud. They were literal physical things that they actually saw. And when those things were there, they stayed. When those things moved, they moved. 
But we don't see stuff like that, but there's something about the fire of God in our lives when we're, when we're listening and we're, we have this radical connection with God and, and we want Him to lead us. How about one more, Exodus chapter 19, one more, Exodus 19. Again, I think you can get the idea. We're just looking at a few. There were many, many more that we could have looked at. Exodus chapter 19, verse 18. <clears throat> it says, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. And the smoke billed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. The Lord descended on this mountain. He says He descended on it in fire. Talked about the holiness of God, God Himself. Talks about in Hebrews that our God is a consuming fire. The fire of God. This is radical, folks. This is not, this is not just, you know, a little campfire. This is the fire of God coming down on the mountain. And we know at Mount Sinai where, where God's word was, was uh, the law was given through Moses. Later, much later, when Solomon, you know, built the temple and it says he finished praying, it says that after he finished praying, it says fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Fire of God came down. Fire came down from heaven. That's radical. Now, I can understand, you know, when you think about it in terms like this, why we might say, you know, whoa, I don't know if I want to go that far. That's like too much for me. I don't mind the little hand warmers, you know, that you crack open and you put inside your glove. I can probably deal with a little bit, little bit of warmth, a little bit of heat. But we're talking serious, serious fire. It, it came down and consumed the burnt offering. When you do a study, and I love this about the, the study of the burnt offering, when you, when you do it, basically the burnt offering was one of the offerings in, in the law in the Old Testament, and they would put this offering up on the altar, and the, the, the purpose of it, that it would be completely and totally consumed. And the idea really is, is that, you know, offering ourselves completely and totally up to God. I want to give it all to Him. The fire came down from heaven. Back in 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians he says, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Just from the verses we've read and so many more, it's way, way bigger than, than us. I, 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 I understand that. It's way bigger than us. But yet, he's saying here to you and to me, don't quench the Spirit. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. He's telling us these words. So, so there's some part that we can play in this thing. Right? Understand my thinking there? He says, don't extinguish. Quench. Don't stifle the Spirit of God, the, the Spirit's fire. I thought of, you know, a child that, that, that came to his father and, and, you know, the child says, I have this, I have this great idea. I have this great idea, Dad, and, and, you know, just all excited about it. And the father just, you know, answers and says, what a dumb idea. Just forget about it. It'll never work. It'll never happen. 
That's, that's quenching some excitement, right? That's stifling. That's putting out the fire of, of a person. It's like an attitude really is what it is. And hopefully that doesn't bring up bad memories for you, though maybe for some of us it does, where we didn't have that kind of, 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 of uh, affirmation or whatever you want to call it from, from our parents. But for us, when God wants to do something and God is doing something that you and I can actually start to douse it, start to extinguish it in our lives, Say, well, how could that be? You just said it was way bigger than us. It's because we, we refuse. How do we do it? Number one is we say no. We say no to God. I mean, that, that, that doesn't make any sense. Is that, is that an oxymoron? We say no to the Lord. That's an oxymoron, right? Lord in charge. No, Lord. Peter said that. No, Lord. They don't go together, though, do they? We resist him. We aren't willing to stop and listen. We say, that'll never work. Oh, that's a dumb idea, God. <laughs> no, I would never say that. You, you would never say that, right? You'd never say that's a dumb idea, God, but we do. When he tells us something in his word, he, he speaks to us through his word by his spirit. Or maybe we just aren't open to his leading. Maybe we aren't open to change. Maybe fear's got a hold of us. Why would we say no to him? Fear. Fear of the unknown. Loss of control. We want to be in control. We don't want him to be in control. Or maybe we just like our sin. Maybe we just, we don't like that purifying fire. We don't want God to cleanse us and wash us. We don't want to be refined. He says, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. I think, and I think the, on the positive side of this is that, that rather, rather that we would desire more. Not put it out, but I want more. I want more. Put more fuel on the fire. Put more heat. More. I want God. I want everything that you have for me. I want to be all that you want me to be. To keep the fire burning. Don't let it go out. Don't let it get so cold that there's nothing there. Do you see what I'm saying? Keep the fire burning. Yielding to Him every single day. It, it, it's it's you know. It, those of you that, that have fireplaces, you know, when it's cold, you got to keep that fire burning. You got to work at it every single day. It doesn't, you don't put enough wood on there for a week. That'd be kind of cool because it takes a lot of work sometimes, doesn't it, to stoke up a fire? You got to go out and get the wood. You got to bring it in. You got to do all everything. You got to clean up the ash. You got to do all the stuff to keep it going. It takes a little bit of effort. But you got to do it every single day. You got to do it every single day and, and really kind of all day long, really. Let's turn ahead a few books to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Just uh, ahead, what, three books? 2 Thessalonians, 1 first, first Timothy, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. He says, 
For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Fan into flame or stir up. Stir up those embers, those coals. Fan it into flame. Try to get that fire as hot as possible. The fire of, of, of the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Again, I have no idea where you're at. All I, all, I can, all I can know is that I've been thinking about this for myself, and God, where am I in this? What's, what's my life? Is it, is it just cold? Is it simmering? Is it on fire? And what does that look like? What does it mean? And how do I, what do I have to do to stir it up? Jeremiah, one of the most incredible things uh, he said in Jeremiah 20, verse 9, he says, If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in my name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. So they had this fire. It was the word of God in his heart like a fire. It, it, you, I, can't, I can't even say to you, without the word of God, the word of God in our own lives and a, a regular consistent base that's like putting wood into the into the fireplace that's like feeding that fire of god within us if 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 you are just feeling so cold well let me ask you have you when was the last time you opened up the book when was the last time you asked god to speak to your heart through his word jeremiah he says i can't even stop it it's like it's like burning so much in me i'm just going to like explode it's, gonna, it's gotta come out. I can't even hold it in anymore. Back in First Thessalonians, he says, Don't put out the Spirit's fire. And I think we need to think about well, how what we need to do, get the word of God into us. And I think some of the other, just the most basic things of the Christian life that never ever change, being in the Word of God, being a person that prays, that has this ongoing long-term conversation with God, that we are in fellowship and that we break bread together. I like the breaking bread part. That's cool. We have that potluck. We break a lot of bread once a month here, and we, and we do that. But, but these other things, too, and that's, that's part of what I'm thinking, too, about like small groups and home fellowships where we, we get together, and that's how we kind of stoke the fires a little bit with each other. Maybe you're, you're feeling like, man, this doesn't, I can't even relate to any of this. Well, you know, do you, do you have any, any Christians that you get together with? You, do you get together on any kind of a, a consistent basis to like, not just Sundays and come and listen to that weird guy, but, but actually get together and do something and, and say, I want to learn, I want to grow. Let's open up this passage and see what God is saying as we, as we kind of like dig into it. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Verse 20 says, do not treat prophecies with contempt. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. This idea of prophecy is, is the speaking forth, really, of God's Word. And, and, and does God still speak today? He does, but, but he doesn't, it's not in the same, 
It's not on the same level as God's word that's already been given. The, the, the authoritative word of God that, that, that we have here in front of us. But God is still speaking, and, and I believe he wants to speak, and he speaks in lots of different ways. But sometimes we ridicule, we, we're not willing to listen, we're not willing to, to even go there that God might want to speak. That's too weird. That's for those, uh, that other church over there, that's for those other people over there. Well, 1 Corinthians 14, speaking about prophecy, we're not going to turn there now, but he says that, he says that, uh, that everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, for their encouragement, and for their comfort. God wants to strengthen. He wants to encourage. He wants to give comfort, and he's going to do that through people. And not just those prophets that gave us the word of God. That, again, is, is primary. That's the, that is the basis. And as, as we'll get to the next verse in a second. That's the standard that we judge everything by. But, but it says in Acts chapter 15 that these two guys, Judas and Silas, it says they were prophets, and they, it says they said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. Now, they, we don't have any books written by Judas or Silas, but they were being used by God. They were speaking forth God's word to encourage and strengthen the brothers. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. We got to be careful. We got to be careful in the, the illustration or the example that comes to mind when, when you know, when, when Jesus was casting out demons from people and the Pharisees, they came and said, you're doing that by the power of Satan. And he says, you know what? Oh, you're, you're pretty off base here. Satan divided, you know, a house divided against itself can't stand. He says, but if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. We got to be careful. God wants to speak, I believe. He, he's still working today. Stir up the gift of God. Be open to what God might want to say. But having said all that, let's look at verse, verse 21 because we, we, we look at these things kind of in context, don't we? Because verse 21 says, test everything and hold on to the good. Test everything. Not everything goes. Not anything goes. Not, you know, well, so-and-so said this and so-and-so wrote that and everything is cool, everything is fine. And if they say it's from God, then it is from God. Uh-uh. Not what it says here, right? It says, don't treat prophecy with contempt. But then he says, test everything. And the standard, as I have already referred to, is God's Word, is the Word of God that He's already given to us, that is established, that is, is put together for us through the, word, through the Holy Spirit. So we ask this question to test everything. How do we do that? Well, number one, we, we say, does it line up with God's authoritative Word? That's the number one question that we always ask, that we must ask. Does it line up with God's authoritative word? Now, 
Of course, if we don't know anything about what God's Word said, we are going to be sitting ducks. We're going to be gullible. We're going to listen to anything that anybody says. Get Someone get up in front of a church and they say something weird, and you go like, okay. And you don't know, you don't know, no red lights come on because you never read what God's Word says about this or this or this. You see what I'm saying? There's, a, there's, there's this the Scripture that gives us that discernment that's based on God's Word. Turn back with me to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. We have a few more minutes left. Stay with me. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Paul and Silas were out there ministering, sharing, teaching, all kinds of things. Look what verse 11 says, though. Now the Bereans, in this place called Berea, they were more of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Wow. See, there's both there. This is an excitement to receive. There's eagerness. There's this desire to, to have everything that God would give them. But there's also that discernment. There's also that check it out. They examined the Scriptures. They went back and, and examined to see if what Paul said was true. They, 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 they used what they had to examine, to see, even if Paul the Apostle, the guy you know, who was sharing the Gospel, to see if what he said was true. You say, well, you know, that turns me into a skeptic. No, it turns us into being wise. It turns us into people that, that listen carefully. And, and there is no perfect preacher. There is no perfect Bible study leader. There's no perfect guy on the radio. There's no perfect person that you're going to read the books and, and look at it. And, and everything that they say is going to be perfectly true. There's only one thing that's perfectly true, and it's right here. Only one thing. So for you and I, we need to test. Test it. Be open to it, yes. Be eager to hear, yes. Open to what God wants to do by His Spirit, but test it and see if it, it, it holds light. And he says, hold on to the good. Hold on to it. The Life Application, Life application Bible Commentary said, many ideas printed or taught are not true. Christians should have faith, but we should not be gullible. He said, verify every message you hear, even if the, if the person who, who brings it says it's from God. If the message is truly from God, it will be consistent with Christ's teachings. Someone comes up to you and says, you know what? Uh, the Holy Spirit, God told me to tell you X, 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 and Y. Well, just because they came up to you and said, you know, God told me to tell you, the Holy Spirit has put this heavy on my heart to come and tell you. And maybe he has. Maybe it is God. But, but listen to it. First of all, just when we hear some, you know, first response might be to, again, despise it like, you're weird. I'm not going to listen to anything you have to say. No, listen, but then test. Listen and then pray. My first response is, oh, really? Well, I'll, 
I will, I'll check that out. I'll pray about that, see if that's really what God wants. And, or maybe I'll say, you know what, that... And maybe I won't say it directly to them, or maybe I will. I'll say, you know what, that's weird. And uh, that's funny, uh, because God's not telling me that. So if it's about me, don't you think He would tell me too? Well, God, you know... Uh, God told me that I'm supposed to marry you, and you're supposed to marry me. Okay. If it's from God, it's going to be right. It's, he's going to confirm it. He's going to put it together. His word is going to, you know, back it up. It's, it's going to, you see what I'm saying? It's going to fit. But we've got to be discerning. And, and I say that, and I've said it before, just because I'm up here speaking about something doesn't mean that I got it all right, because I know I don't. Uh, I'm thinking about teenagers, you know, and we were all teenagers, right? I think we were all teenagers. <laughs> but, except those that are not teenagers yet. Uh, when we're teenagers, man, we know it all right? We just know it all. And then we get a little bit older, and then we realize that we don't know it all. And then we get a little bit older and realize, I really don't know much at all. There's a big difference. Of course, if we get consumed with pride, then we start to think, well, now I really do know it all. But the truth is, I, the older I get and the more I even read and study, I realize how little I know. So I, I, you know, I'm committed to doing the very best I can to have integrity, to be, to be truthful with the Scripture and to be honest. Study to show yourself approved unto God and rightly dividing the word of truth. I'm doing the, the best as I can with my limited um, capabilities. But you know what? Ultimately, don't listen to me. You've got to listen to God. If it's, if it's from Him, listen to it. If it's just some silly idea from me, then just say, you know, whatever. I mean, if I got up here and taught you a whole bunch of garbage week after week, then I would just say, leave, okay? Don't even, like, show me any grace, but I'm going to ask for a little bit of grace because, because I realize I'm not going to get it perfectly right every single time. You know, to come up with some kind of message that's just perfectly fitted together and it's just all completely right. Not, I'm not saying I'm trying to teach heresy or anything. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to do the very best I can. But, you know, this is the kind of thing, this is the kind of discernment that I'm asking you to have, like these Bereans, the noble character. A noble character means that we do have discernment. We do examine the Scriptures. We go back to the book to see if, if what, even what Paul the Apostle said was true for them. There are counterfeit fires. There is strange fire. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, it says in Leviticus, they, they offered strange fire before the Lord and and it came back to bite him. God's, God will, you know, deal with people whose motives and, and the, the strange teaching, that God will, God will deal with them. Peter, though, there's also fires of the world, I want to say, 
There's also our own fires, that we build our own fires sometimes. But the fires of the world, Peter, you, you, you know, when, when he was about to deny the Lord, it says in uh, Mark chapter 14, it says that Peter followed Jesus, but at a distance. And then he went right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he sat with the guards, and it says he warmed himself at their fire, at the fire. And they were the enemies. They're at the fire, of the, he's warming himself there. But I think what, what struck, struck me is the fact that he's following at a distance. Following at a distance. I could say a lot more, but I'm out of time now. But, I, you know, I think we need to be careful, but not be closed. Be careful, but not be closed. Because God's Spirit is alive and well today. And... You know, these people say, well, the God's Spirit isn't doing anything today. He's all done. He did it all already. Sorry. Don't see that. Check it out for yourself. God still wants to reach us. There are problems, yes. There are extremes. But God still wants to reach us. There's false teachers, but God still wants to teach. False prophets, yes, but God still wants to work. He wants to speak to us. He wants to guide us. He wants to purify us. He wants to light a fire in us. One quote from Warren Wiersbe. I haven't had any quotes yet, I think. One quote from Warren Wiersbe. He says, the believer in the local assembly must avoid extremes. He says, the legalist and the formalist would put the fire out while the fanatic would permit the fire to burn everything up. We want a balance where, you know, where we are you know, taking these things in thoughtfully with our, our minds, our whole mind. We're thinking, we're examining. But we're also open to that God wants to do something in us. And it, it starts on a personal basis. And then when you get a bunch of people who have this fire of God in them and they get together, then it starts in a, in a group setting and, and God can do stuff. He can do stuff. So are we willing? That's the question. What is our response? Are we cold? Are we simmering? We ha- or do we have a fire in us? And, and, and really, I think the prayer... For me, is God, light your fire in me. Keep it burning. I'm yours. Like we say, I'm yours. I'm all yours. Let's pray. Father God, we, uh, we thank you for your word, and, and we do pray that we'd have discernment and understanding and wisdom and knowledge. But Lord, we also long to be, to have your spirit doing a work in us doing all those things, purifying, cleansing, and leading, and guiding, and, and uh, strengthening, and encouraging, and comforting, all the stuff that, that you want to do by your Spirit in our lives, Lord. Forgive us when we've, we've mocked or, or just tried to stifle and extinguish, Lord. Maybe forgive us, too, where we've been, like on that other extreme, where we've just been completely out of control, and and you kind of brought us back to that place of balance. Father God, may, uh, may you work in us, Lord, that fire that Moses saw burning, and yet didn't consume up the, the bush, and you were speaking, and you had that personal relationship. Father, we yield to you today this, 
afternoon to stay here. Father, I pray also, as I always want to give an opportunity to anybody to give their lives to Jesus Christ, to trust in him, to let him be their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray right now that there may be one or two here or more that have never yielded and said, Jesus, I'm lost, I'm a sinner, and I, I come to you, the Lord, the Savior who died on the cross for my sin, who rose from the dead that I might have eternal life. And if that's you today, it's very simple. You simply believe in him and receive him. Reach out to him and say, I, I come and I, and I ask you to come inside my life. Come into my heart today because of what you did. Forgive me. Wash me. I give you my life today. In Jesus' name. Let's stand and sing together, shall we? Got time for one song.